Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from Divine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I am so excited that you are walking with me. What that means is we are walking together through God's Word, just about three chapters a day, and uh, you're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters independently and then listen to the podcast, but they're going to be short, 10 to 15 minutes each day, something you can listen to at the start or the finish of each day, and I believe that it'll bless you as it's blessed. Me. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage comes from Psalm 80, 81, and 82. Psalm 80 says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you are enthroned upon the cherubim shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin Manasseh stir up your might and come to save us restore us O God let your face shine that we may be saved O Lord God of hosts how long will you be angry with your people's prayers you have fed them with the bread of tears and have given them tears to drink in full measure you make us an object of contention for our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves restore O God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved. Then it goes on and it essentially says that we are just utterly destroyed and being being slaughtered and we are the butt of jokes and, and um, we are the, the laughing stock of the world. And um, we're, we're wondering, Lord, humbly, <laughs> when you're going to do something about it. Haven't we served this sentence long enough, is essentially what they're saying. And they're really continuously asking, even even at the conclusion of verse 19, Restore us, O Lord God of hosts, let your face shine, that we may be saved. So what they could feel was that the Lord's presence was not amongst them anymore. He, you, the, the Lord was no longer blessing them with himself. So they're losing their battles. They're losing their harvest. They're losing, you know, they're losing everything uh, that, that they were taking before. They're not gaining ground. You know, they're not they're not feeling a, a multiplication uh, of their homes, and they feel as though they're dwindling away, right? And so um, they're coming to the Lord, and they're saying, "Would you restore us again?" Uh, would you? We know that you can. Uh, verse eighteen: uh, We shall not turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call upon your name. And so, I kind of want to talk today about that passage and sort of just uh, dealing with the timing of the Lord here. So they were, um, I think, understandably so desperate that God would shine upon them, especially since I really believe they were paying for sins. Uh, that they had not personally committed, yet they, yet they felt the weight of them upon them because they had known what their fathers had done, and they had heard of the miracles, and they had uh, heard of the stories of God's favor and faithfulness, and yet they are not seeing that with their own eyes because they knew that their fathers had turned away from God and made of idols for themselves, and so their their. Uh, yearning for the God of the stories to be the God of the present day. And so I think that's a 
I think that's a yearning that's justified and one that we should have as well is going, God, we know that you have moved in this way or that way. You know, that's kind of one of the reasons why the theology is broken of, of ever trying to classify God's movement in timetables. Like, well, he only healed here. He only raised the dead at this time. He only, um, you know, he only performed miracles in this way. You know, prophecy only existed at this time. Uh, that that theology is broken because there should really be a yearning in God's people that even if I'm not, even if you would go, I'm not seeing God move like he did in the Bible. Okay, well, neither was Asaph. But instead of creating a broken theology to describe why God's not moving, there was a repentance in his heart and a yearning that that God would move upon his generation as God had moved on generations past. And so that should be our response and not creating a, a false doctrine to put God into the tiniest of boxes to where we don't have to believe for anything anymore, okay? And, and so Asaph had not seen God move in the ways of the stories that he had heard, you know? And, and that's true to all of us to an extent, isn't it? I mean, I think about, you know, there was a time when, you know, Elijah t takes off his his cloak and he smacks the water and splits it and walks through it. Okay, I haven't seen that before. Okay, you know, there's other moves of God and stories that we've heard. Maybe we haven't seen it just like that. And we need to say, God, would you do it again? God, would you do it again? Let your face shine upon us. Do it again. Okay, but what the Lord, I want to talk about the sovereignty of God in this chapter and why they were experiencing the drought that they were. Because sometimes I believe that God plans intentional droughts upon nations, upon families, and upon specific people. In a drought could be a few months, it could be a year, it could be a hundred years. It could be a thousand years. But a drought is always to remind us of where our nourishment comes from. Okay? So they were in a spiritual drought and they're not seeing God move. Well, the last time that God had moved significantly among them, okay, it, it, their, their hearts became so filled with greed and pride and forgetfulness, and they began to worship and seek after other gods anyway. And so now God's taking his hand off of them for a time and going, okay, let's see what you are now. And now what we, what we have is broken men and women saying, God, we know what we are now. We're nothing. We're the laughing stock. Of, all, of the world. We are nothing without you. You know, John 15, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, it's because it says, if we abide in the fine, as that's Jesus, and he abides in us, then we can do anything, but apart from him, we can do nothing. Okay, that, 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 that's pretty much perfect theology. With God, anything is possible, but if I lose my communion with him, then nothing is possible. I'm a broken man. I'll be the laughing stock of the people. Uh, all my plans will fail. Okay? Um, you know, every war that I enlist in, I'll lose. Uh, you know, that, that's, and that's the heart that God was creating in, in Israel. And that was, that's still the heart that he's trying to create in us, his people, to this day. Okay, and so we need that, 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 that understanding, that broken and contrite spirit where we go, Lord, without you, I'm nothing. 
okay? Um, Psalm 81, uh, continuing, and this is uh, Asaph as well, the author of many of these. It says, <clears throat> Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre, with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon, on our feast day. Okay, so these are instructions of worship. And he's saying, this is how we're supposed to do it. Okay, let's make some noise. Let's raise a song. Let's beat the tambourine. Let's play the harp. Let's, let's play the stringed instrument. Blow the trumpet at all of the appointed festivals. Okay, for it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. He made it a decree in Joseph when he went out over the land of, of, of Egypt. Okay, and so, you know, these people didn't feel like praising. Okay, let's start there. Uh, you hear their heart, you hear where they're at, you know that the time that they're in, and, and Asaph stands up in the middle of all of it, and he goes, it's too quiet around here, let's make a little noise for the God of Israel, let's start praising, let's start clapping our hands, let's start shouting, glory, glory, hallelujah, okay, pick up that instrument over there, play it for the Lord, and, uh, the, and, and, and they, you know, why, well, why would I play it, because it's a decree, that's what he says, he says, because it's a decree, it's what we are supposed to do. Okay, and then this actually, I love this psalm because it starts off just a couple of verses about worship. But then the very next thing that it goes into is that um, uh, it says, uh, I hear a language I had not known. I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress called, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me, that there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Uh, oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him and their fate would last forever. But he would feed you with the finest of wheat, with the honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. I kind of read the whole psalm there, but that's because I wanted you to get a little bit of context. Um, this, this is an interesting split in this psalm. You got three verses about worship, and then you got 12 verses <laughs> about um, the wickedness of uh, Israel and how God wants to bless them but they uh, are not letting them. They're not letting uh, him bless them because they keep turning themselves over to idols, okay? So he, here's what I love about this psalm, and this is what it spoke to me this morning, is that you have to do what God says and be obedient to what he has decreed because it's all for your heart to stay postured towards him so that he can bless you. Okay, I wrote in my Bible, start small. Okay, what I mean by that is sometimes, you know, okay, you're kind of low and someone goes, hey, why don't you beat on this tambourine for the Lord? You go, man, I don't want to beat on the tambourine for the Lord. I don't feel like beating on the tambourine for the Lord. I'm not one of those crazy Pentecostals. I don't want to sing and dance and shout before the Lord my God. I don't want to do all that. I'm uncomfortable with that. I'm, I'm insecure with that. Why would I do that? Well, Asaph says, well, I guess I guess you would just do it because God said so. That's why you would do it. And if you make a habit of not doing what God says to do, eventually God can't bless you anymore because you're never sitting down at the feeding trough 
when it's time to eat because you're too busy always doing your own thing and being led by your own feelings. I'm preaching a little bit, I apologize. <laughs> but seriously, that's what he's saying. Hey, Israel, I got a crazy idea. Why don't we go back to what God has declared and we start doing it and obeying it and let's just see if God blesses us. There's a lot of things that God has declared that we're to do and sometimes we don't feel like doing them. But if we make a habit in our lives of being disobedient to the things that we know we are to do, then eventually we drift away from communion with God altogether. And then there's no blessing for us anymore because we quit showing up at the dinner table. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so, you know, there's small things that I think get neglected a lot. One of them is worshiping and praising. When you're going into the house of the Lord, are you waiting to catch a goosey? Uh, a feeling, a, a chill up your arm? Or do you go in there and go, I'm going to worship the Lord my God because it's what he's declared. It's what my soul needs. That's what David said. Bless the Lord, soul. Wake up and let's praise him. It's Sunday morning. It's 1015. The worship band's playing a song and I'm here to worship. Or it's Thursday morning. I'm here to worship. I'm turning on my radio and I'm singing these songs aloud because he's worthy of my praise. Right? What about giving? Right? Oh, I know money's tight. But God has said Bring, bring the tithe, bring the tithe and, and put it here. Give to me your first fruits and your best. Okay, hold nothing back from me. So I'm going to write this check, okay, because I don't want to start dis deliberately disobeying God with any part, even if it seems like it's small, because it may start small. But if I, if I cultivate a habit in my life of saying no to God, okay, even about the little things, then eventually you'll be, you have no problem saying no to God about the big things, okay? And, and so you have to start small. And, uh, you know, and so that's what I believe Asaph was saying here. He goes, okay, guys, let's start here. Start hitting that tambourine. Hey, hey, Joey, start playing that guitar over there. Hey, hey, Bill, you know that trumpet you got last year? Uh-huh. I want you to pull it out and I want you to blow it for the Lord today. That's what I want you to do. At every festival, you hadn't been bringing that to the festival. You've been coming to the festivals. You've been putting your hands in your robe <laughs> and you've been lip syncing these songs. But why don't you get that trumpet out and start blowing it? Because that's what the Lord has commanded of us. We've got to get back to our roots, Israel. And that's what I'm saying today. We've got to get back to just, if God said it, that's enough for me. God said, give, I give. God says, worship, I worship. It's a simple childlike faith. That's what we're supposed to have. God says, love, I love. Well, those people, yeah, those people. God says, give mercy, I give mercy. God says, forgive 70 times 7. That's 490 times. I keep doing it. I keep doing it. I keep doing it. Why? Because God said so. God says, believe for a miracle. God says, believe for all things. I do it. But what if it doesn't work? I don't care. I do it anyway. Okay? We've got to get back to that simple kind of faith. All right? And then that's how we get the honey from the rock. That sounds pretty good to me. Tasty. Honey from the rock. It starts with those simple actions of obedience and that, that propels us into the place where God can really start to bless us because we're a people that obey him and go to the places he says go and do the things that he says do. Psalm 82. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Okay, that's a bold statement. Some, some of these psalms are kind of raw. Okay, sometimes you go before the Lord and you really don't understand a thing that's going on around in your life. And you go, so you're just going to sit, sit by and idly watch this all happen? And that's kind of what's happening right here. And then there's a pause. It says Selah. You know, we've talked about Selah before. But I, want, I do have a new take on it I wanted to bring to us today. Um, 
I was I was skimming through a, uh, one of my wife's new Bibles, and uh, I liked what it put there. And it was uh, I've never read this in any other Bible, but in the places where it said Selah in the Psalms, it said, "Pause in His presence." And I thought, wow, that we know the word Selah means pause. We know it's kind of a musical term to take a breath or to stop. Um, but I really just loved that that way of putting it where I pause in his presence. We need to have moments in our prayers and in our songs where we pause in his presence. And you know what? What Asaph just said, that was pretty weighty, wasn't it? How long are you going to judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? There's a moment of stillness needed after that statement, isn't there? Why? Because he's not justified in what he just said. And that there's a moment now where he needs to, to wait and be still. And a lot of times in those moments, after those pausings in the presence, a lot of times the, the next the next thing out of their mouth you'll notice is different. It's of a different tone. <sighs> Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Right? What 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 shifted there? It shifted from, from I mean, it's real and it's honest. And it's okay to be real and honest with the Lord. But I, I think sometimes we ramble before the Lord too much. And, and even if we're saying things that are not accurate, we need to have these intentional pauses in our prayers and in our songs where we're just still for a moment. And we let Him do some of the talking and some of the stilling of our minds and our hearts and the comforting of our souls again. And so I would leave you with that today. In your prayers and in your songs, let's learn to pause in His presence.